All right, here we go. Welcome to Sportsbook Radio from the Brian Blessing Studio in Las Vegas. Brought to you by Station Casinos and the STN app. I'm Dana Lane along with my producer, Mark Hayes. Mark, how you doing, buddy? You got the starter in the in the building. I'm the starter. It's just relievers, relievers that were in. <laughs> yes. Because I, I, was, I was on the IR for a little bit, but I'm... I'm here now. After I get knocked out in the first <laughs> inning, here comes Mark. <laughs> pitches eight. Hey, eight I, I stay thirds. on deck. I stay on deck. I stay on deck, Dana. I'm always ready to rock and roll. So. I mean, I I saw you running around here, and I'm like, oh, yeah, geez. that's okay. Sorry, that's okay. That's what they pay me the little bucks for. <laughs> really? You can. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. No, so, I'm good. I'm glad to be here with you. Like I said, it's it's um, it's okay. We we're here. We, you know how that saying goes: next man up. That's what, yes. this is what this life is about. It's next man up. And it certainly is. I'm prepared, and we're going to have a good two-hour show. So we've had a lot of things happen over the weekend, and I just wanted to, at some point, we'll go over everything. We have uh, guests today, as usual, but a lot of things have happened, and uh, we've been trying to, I don't know, uh, juggle, I guess is the word, the, the show, and make sure that it keeps on moving forward. Yeah. But, if you saw uh, on my Twitter handle today, you kind of have an idea of what's going on, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, show rundown today, Chuck Esposito from Station Casinos will join us in the second half of the first hour, and our friend Zig Fercasi from the NHL Radio Network will be here in the second hour. And I don't know if you had a chance to watch this at all, Mark, but I, I'm a big, and because I, I grew up so close to Cooperstown, I'm a big fanatic when it comes to the induction and you could not sit there and watch big poppy last night talk about how much the red sox and the city meant to him and his induction into the hall of fame without just having at least shivers down your back now i i know i'm i'm the next time a pirate gets into the hall of fame well you know i'll be 98 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but to watch other organizations have these great iconic figures go into the Hall of Fame and and to have watched him play. I guess that's the one bad thing about getting old. You you can you can remember these guys coming into the league and then watching their whole career and then they get elected into the Hall of Fame. And and Poppy was the same way. Yeah, and he you know, he was a a big part of baseball. I mean, coming from the Dominican Republic and I mean you know I uh, you know I'm I'm a big baseball I'm not just a one team I like just baseball and baseball players and he was one of my favorites I mean Big Poppy was always one I mean that you watch and you can just see how much he loved baseball and last night was just kind of a tribute to that he loved baseball from where he came from being able to have a great career and being able to get inducted into the Hall of Fame. I think he was the fourth Dominican Republican player to get inducted into the Hall of Fame, if I remember correctly. Not only was it great to see him, and I'm not sure how many exactly. I but think it was four. I, re- I think I, he was the fourth. We'll go with four. The four sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> the speech, and, and of course the home runs and everything sticks out to me, but the speech that he gave after the 2003 Boston Marathon attack and how he rallied everybody together and talked about Boston and and Boston Strong and we are going to get through this and there was something so real and raw and emotional about that speech that night that I thought 
this is a guy that will will always be on the Mount Rushmore of faces in Boston sports. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so I couldn't be happier for a guy like this. Um, he certainly, if, I mean, even just going back a couple of years when he got shot, I mean that, and to overcome that and to see how the the, the Boston Red Sox took care of him during that period of time, and his genuine love for the city and the people in it, and his love for the sport, I couldn't have been happier. Have you been to Cooperstown, New York? No, I have not. It is magic. Yeah. Absolute magic, especially if you're there around uh, the Hall of Fame period of time or you know before or after. You kind of get the residue before or after. You don't have to necessarily be there when the craziness happens. But to just walk in and out of those those shops that are all baseball-centric shops, and this is not even around, and this is not even talking about going into the Hall of Fame, to go in and out of these shops where baseball just runs through the veins of the people in that town, and, and then to go up to Doubleday Field and you know see the batting cages, and that whole town revolves around baseball. And as a kid... Where that sport revolved around, you know, it, 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 that was my whole entire life growing up. Loved all the other sports. Always had a passion for baseball. Uh, to go to what I consider to be the heart of the sport, uh, it's it's just an incredible place. I mean, if you're ever close, and I, look, I know the Football Hall of Fame is great in Canton. I know the Basketball Hall of Fame is great. NHL up in Toronto. Uh, baseball, this is different. So when you talk about why does, you know, baseball is not the national pastime and, you know, football has surpassed it, there's a love affair with this sport. There's something that crawls into the depths of your soul and doesn't leave no matter how angry you get it because if your team doesn't spend as much as another team or, uh, you know, you're never involved in free agency or, you know, all the things that we dislike about this sport depending on the team that you follow – there's something that grabs you and never lets go. And and that's the way it's always been for me. And if you go to Cooperstown, Mark, with the leaves coming down, it smells like baseball. There's popcorn. And, oh, by the way, there's this fantastic museum. Oh, yeah. I couldn't live there. <laughs> that's for well, sure. I definitely – well, uh, Dan, as we, as we speak, and, you know, it was probably some people that didn't hear or say that speech, but – is it okay if I just play a clip so Absolutely. our listeners can Please just kind of hear that might not have was able to see, uh, listen to it? From Mr. John Henry to Linda Henry to Tom Warner to Larry Lucchino, Phil Morse, who was there when I came to Boston, and of course, my main man, Sam Kennedy. I can thank you guys enough for building me up and supporting me throughout the years. I also want to thank my man, Jack McCormick, who was the traveling secretary at the time while I played, and my little sis, Pan Kim. That organization made me the man that I am today. They educated me about the game, but they also educated me about my life. Community service, connecting with people, the Jimmy Fund, the Children Fund, that's why I started the David Ortiz Children Fund that has provided life-saving heart surgery for children in the Dominican Republic and New England. 
It's been almost 20 years since my first day in Boston. We have some incredible memories. When I think about Boston, I definitely think about 2004, 2007, and of course, 2013. After the city was shaken by a marathon bombing, I had never seen a community bounce back and reunite like Boston. When I think about Boston, I also think about the last game I played. Standing on that field at Fenway Park, it feels like the whole city of New England and each one and every one of you was surrounding me and was showing me all your love. I will always be Boston and I will always be there for you, Boston. I love you, Boston. I mean, that's, that's just, that's so great. I, I love watching that speech, and then, you know, that that was on the heels of the Red Sox getting pounded by the Blue Jays this weekend by a combined score of forty to ten. That was twenty eight runs. I can't even remember the last time I've seen that. But uh, they have some, you know, from a Red Sox standpoint, current Red Sox standpoint, they have a lot to work on. But of course, uh, Big Poppy's speech was was second to none. Uh, real quick in the NBA, as uh, Brooklyn Nets star Kevin Durant's trade request goes, I think what probably now into a month uh looks like the boston red sox uh boston celtics have emerged among the team uh teams that will be interested and uh, yeah i don't know i mean every day there seems like another team that pops up that wants uh or at least it's kind of dipping the toe in the water as far as durant is concerned i don't know if everybody's all in yet because uh brooklyn certainly wants a load back and i think they're gonna have to give just a little bit on what their demands are but uh from a boston standpoint you know maybe jalen brown goes over there maybe he's the centerpiece of what they send back uh, we'll we'll see um we'll see how that all works out but kevin durant is a guy that i think he's chasing a ring at this point i don't blame people for chasing rings i think at the end of the day you count your success and what you did in the league by how many rings that you have um i just kind of wish I don't like when it starts to smell like baseball, where it's the rich continue to get richer and teams. And believe me, this isn't like baseball in the fact that you, you could just outspend everybody. But I don't love, you know, teams like the Washington Wizards. I sit there and say, well, what is ultimately your goal? What are we not here to win a championship every single year? I, it's. Like, I just scratched my head exactly what it is that they're doing with that organization. Uh, Sacramento Kings, they've made some runs. They've at least made an effort to move forward at times. But there's something about certain organizations that just does never, that does not allow them to move forward. And Golden State for a long, long time, Mark, I mean, you could remember this. Uh, when I was growing up in the 80s, Golden State was garbage i mean absolute garbage so you could you 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 can see where one draft pick will change the course of direction for your team but for washington they've made a series of bad moves they have drafted poorly they have made bad trades and as as good as leonces is with the washington capitals uh, certainly that is not translated to success for the Wizards. So anyway, speaking of basketball, let's bring in our first guest, R.J. White from GG Tour City. And R.J., our, our mutual friend Bernie Frado was excited to tell me about what you have going on. I feel like we have talked about 
virtual sports a lot on this show. But it's every time uh, I think we're kind of done with it for a little bit, something else brand new gets gets thrown up there. And I'm like, wow, that is really interesting. Uh, we have talked about a lot about the metaverse, but this next generation of kids, and I'm talking about you know our kids' kids, I think they're going to be knee-deep in this metaverse, and you have something that's unique that you want to bring to the table uh, as far as an actual basketball league. Absolutely. And thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Um, We're creating just something that's next level, Um, and I I like how you put that as far as, like, for our kids' kids, because we as a generation, I would say because I'm I'm a millennial, we're just now getting, you know, our feet wet into the metaverse, and then it's going to take, like you said, our kids' kids to actually be – engulfed into you know the metaverse and 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 uh even probably even have an education in there you know so our our idea is to bring in sports um into the metaverse to bring in engagement um with sports of all levels into the metaverse which is how balling in the metaverse was born Yeah, so, so now you want to build a basketball league. That, that's what Bernie said. And I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> how do we build a basketball league inside this universe? And, of course, you know, my mind just goes over to, okay, how can I wager on this, which ultimately is what I care about. But tell us about that idea and why we should be interested in something like that. Because I, I think – I think we're starting to be able to wrap our minds around this, but I think what the problem is, is I don't know how to go on my computer and know how to take part in something like this. And I I think where my stumbling block comes is from knowing the terminology. I think that's where society has to be educated on the terminology. And that's where our kids' kids come in because they'll probably grow up with the terminology. Absolutely. Well, that's a lot of what Balling in the Metaverse is doing. We're making it easier, or, you know, we're making it more accessible, uh, easier to access. We're, we're creating the idea and avenues that you could actually utilize and access the Metaverse from your phone, um, computer, and even VR headset. Um, when it comes to leagues, we're, we're actually engaging into leagues from all over. I mean, from female basketball to male basketball. Um, and it all starts because I have to go back some steps as well. It all starts because we're building a stadium. Um, not only are we just building a stadium in the metaverse, but we're actually building an exact replica of that same stadium within the state of California. So once that stadium goes up, you'll be able to literally walk physically inside of our stadium and go in digitally inside of the metaverse with the exact replica of that particular stadium. So it's the first, you know, two dimension stadium in history. Um, it'll be up uh, very soon, hopefully within the, in the next 18 months. And we're just trying to introduce everybody into two dimensions, if that makes sense, because you're going to be in one dimension at home, and then your second dimension will be in the metaverse. <laughs> okay, so many questions, RJ. Um, <laughs> how do we – now, first of all, to, to enter the metaverse, you can either do it through your laptop, I, I assume those – you know, the crazy goggles I see people put on. I mean, you could do it that way as well. I mean, when you say that you could physically walk into your uh, arena, I mean, you still have to be, you know, based in reality. So when you're to walking in that arena, arena I mean, how, how do people walk in the meta world without, I don't know, crashing into some wall in the real world? <laughs> so 
for our stadium uh, that we're building in the metaverse, um, picture yourself walking into the crypto stadium. Okay, I'm just going to use them as an example. Right. Our LA. stadium will be two dimensions. You'll have the ability to walk into both doors, right? You'll have the ability to have your phone in your hand. You could turn right. You could turn left. You'll be able to see everything within the stadium with your own visual eyes. But if you look down at your phone, you can have a friend that's all the way in Egypt having a conversation with you sitting right next to you on your phone and having conversations and watching the exact same game that they'll be able to watch in the metaverse. So we are literally creating something that is two-dimensional and giving people from all over the world the ability to intertwine and interact with each other uh, no matter how far or near you are. So if you want to physically come sit next to me and watch this game and ball it in the metaverse, you could do that. Come on, come in the arena. If you want to, from a distance, dimensionally watch this game with me, put on your headset, grab your phone, get in front of the computer, you can sit right next to me and watch the same game as well. So we're creating it where anybody in the world can still be quite near, even being so far. Okay, so when we when somebody goes into the arena and sits down and watches this game, how are you going to create – the interest in the product that we're watching. I mean, part of basketball or any other sport is so emotional. You're emotionally attached to the teams that you're watching or the players you're watching. How are you going to create that emotional attachment so people come back after the initial, oh, okay, let's check this out? I think it's going to be just what you said, you know, the attachment to the players, because regardless of uh, what we say or, you know, how we feel, even right now, right, with current trades and and different things that are happening, we have players um, and teams that are just near and dear to our hearts. So we do plan on branching out and having those conversations with a lot of those um, impactful players and then even introducing some new that will make an impact. So I do feel like what we have here is something that's very innovative. Uh, We've had conversations with all different type of athletes from all different acronyms and it's it's looking to be of a great interest. Uh, We've got one of the best in the game right now when it comes to uh, digitizing. (laughs) We were just talking about yesterday how different players, especially like Russell Westbrook and guys like that, you know, you could see the smile on their face or one of their eyes, you know, eyes closed or what have you. And what our, our digitizer is so immaculate that he literally can catch all of that. Like, so you'll be able to literally see your players crystal clear with the exact same tattoos, the, the same sweat running off of their arms, the same facial expressions, even a twitch we're going to catch, um, even inside of this particular verse. So. It's, okay. it's pretty exciting. All right, I look so you, to it. you're actually going to use real life players, and yeah. uh, so that would also have to mean that you would have relationships with real NBA teams or however you're going to do it in order to be Absolutely. able to use that likeness. So now my next question is: with the game on the court, the game action on the court, how do you mm-hmm. simu- how do you simulate that? So imagine you go out and you buy, we'll say, NBA 2K23. You can grab a controller. You can literally digitize that way. But we'll also have it where one thing about being on 2K, you can't do what you want. It's all a simulation system, and one action is pretty much predicated off of the other. Whereas for us, it's completely different. You'll be able to walk up and high-five a player. I mean, but if you interrupt them during practice, you may be exited out of the stadium, so to speak. But you do have full interaction. You literally can jump up and down. You can wave. You can scream, you know, your player's name. You can, you know, meet and greet with them later on after the game. It's, It's so many different things that we're adding into this particular process that is literally innovative and one of its kind. We've seen a few people, you know, spark interest and come in, but I think that we've uh, 
tapped into something here that hasn't been done before. This is so interesting to me, and I, I, every time I get presented with you know somebody that really knows about this stuff, I, I just I'm learning a little bit more every time I talk with somebody. I actually have a friend of mine, and I don't know if you could explain this to me a little bit easier, but he's he has purchased these virtual shoes, and he he can use these virtual shoes uh, to essentially walk around, I guess, in the metaverse. And he's actually making money from these shoes. I, I don't know how it all works. I don't know if you've ever heard of anything like that. But essentially what we're doing, RJ, is we're, we're creating with our minds a brand new world. Yeah, we are. Um, I mean, it's all augmented reality. I mean, I feel like and it's only going to get greater because you have to think about the kids that are past us that will come up with the next idea, next invention, or next level of innovation that we haven't experienced yet. So I do definitely know what you mean about the augmented reality shoes. Um, a lot of that also is based off of NFTs, um, NFT collections, which we're working with some of the, the top designers <laughs> to actually help us along with this project. And we are looking for more, just like we're looking for investors. But we would like to be uh, the new wave. So the questions that you have right now, is actually not uncommon. Like, a lot of people do want to know, like, what is the metaverse? Uh, how can I make my place in the metaverse? And even for us, when we were coming in to buy this land, we were saying, like, okay, is this a real estate deal? <laughs> you know, this is all new kind of. as well. It's like, you know, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, it's kind of like a real estate deal. I was trying to explain it to my wife, and I said, you know, even using art as an example you buy an art piece in the metaverse and you have art collectors uh, the same as you do in reality and they would look at you know a piece that you might have you put it up for sale and they're like oh well i really would like that to be part of you know it's it's really just the same way as reality where they would actually buy your 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 piece of art in the metaverse and that's how you would make physical money it's it's just once people are able to wrap their, their minds around this, it's, it's incredible what can be built, and there is no limits to what can be built. The problem or the question I guess I have, RJ, is what happens? We can't get our kids out of their phones now. What happens when they would rather live in the metaverse than in reality? You know, what's really funny is um, I thought about that myself as well. So I do a lot of millennial research, but I also do research on introverts, right? Um, as much as it, it is a, a fear that our kids will get too engulfed off into um, augmented reality, I do also feel like it would help. You know, I think it'll help with a lot of personality traits. I think it'll help with a lot of introverts that don't want mm-hmm. to interact with people to kind of come out of their shell. But to get, to get them out, it's just like, you know, the same thing that Nickelodeon does. <laughs> Put the phone down, go outside there. You know, I came in, in in a generation where we still had to go outside, even if we didn't want to most of the time, Southern parents, of course. And I think it's just all about, you know, our control and level to say, hey, you've been on this too long, you know, monitoring it just like anything else or the next innovative, you know, app or, or TikTok or, you know, Facebook, just too much of anything. You know, even people can can do something. But I feel like as long as it's monitored, I think it'll be a great thing. Um, I'm even seeing people come up with cohorts for kids, like little bitty kids, two, three years old. They're doing their homework and stuff in the metaverse. So I see it being a good thing. There there are certainly benefits. And, of course, you know, I I have to play devil's advocate on some of these things because I I absolutely (laughs) think it's very interesting. But for me, I I think, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm disciplined enough where I can – 
you know, jump out of it or, you know, it's just an interest to me, but I still am based in reality. And I just kind of, yes, there's always positives to things. I just, I think on the, on the flip side of it, I just worry that, you know, we're becoming a society where parents are working two or three jobs and their ability to monitor what their kids are doing are, are becoming less and less. And I don't, I guess I worry if a kid thinks he has more friends in the metaverse than he does in reality, that they would rather uh, spend more time, you know, doing that than, you know, making face-to-face relationships would ultimately is going to help them in life. Uh, I, I guess uh, maybe I'm just not grasping mm-hmm. this, but uh, that's my only question to this because you know, as well as I do, RJ, what every good thing in seeps the bad. There's always the bad in seeps the bad, and the bad seems to get really bad. And and that's my only. Uh, and, and maybe the teams that I follow will be a lot better in the metaverse because goodness knows they're not good in reality. And all that stuff is great. <laughs> I just worry about the unstable, where you know we see now just with apps, uh, the the. the how things are so unstable now. Uh, parents are really struggling to get a grasp of, of what where their kids are, uh, even the good ones that are on top of everything. Uh, this is my worry about the metaverse and going a ne- next step where we're creating a world that they would rather be in than the world that they're in now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely could understand your concern. I think that, I mean, because I only can speak for balling in the metaverse, uh, we have a lot of provisions that are set in place where parents can pop in. I mean, you have to think like a part of the metaverse is avatars, you know, and you could be anybody and anything that you want to be. So you could very well be sitting there chilling, talking to your mom <laughs> and you don't even know it because she decides to jump into your world and check things out for you. You know, so I think that does actually give a better uh, hands on approach for parents. Well, you know, because I mean, we are in a generation where you can ask your child a thousand questions and, and will you always get the truth, you know? So to check for yourself yes. and to see for yourself and right. monitor for yourself, like you said before, I think that's the best thing that we can do um, when it comes to creating friendships within the metaverse. I mean, who knows? It's like, hey, you know, I'm in a metaverse. I'm an introvert. I don't want to communicate, you know, out of the metaverse. But, hey, I met this one person. They're always here. Maybe, you know, if they're of, of age and, you know, we have a lot in common, maybe I can now follow you on TikTok or maybe I can follow you on LinkedIn or we can build some level of business. So I do feel like the metaverse for introverts is going to be a really good thing. A metaverse for all people is going to be a really good thing. I do understand the concern, but I think that more positive will come out of it than negative at this point. I mean, because it doesn't expose your child to as much things as you would from a, you know, a Facebook or a TikTok or anything of that nature. Does that make sense? It's like you scroll up and oops, you didn't came across the video, whereas this is more age directed i would love to see a mom come and get her <laughs> child in the metaverse you know just grabbing them by the collar or something i i, I would be down for all that stuff i i'm very interested in it and i'm sorry to go a little bit off topic and a little bit deeper than just you know talking about the basketball league uh, because it's i'm trying to learn and i think everybody else is kind of in this boat too but getting back to what you ultimately want to accomplish with the with your basketball league I, what in 10 years from now, if everything goes perfect, what are we going to be able to do with uh, where this basketball league is, where you want it to be? If everything goes the way um, as planned, which is actually growing very, very quickly, um, I see I see several acronyms um, having leagues within Ballin in the Metaverse. I see um, 
those players, okay, because I'll try to be less specific, <laughs> players that just want that presence or need that presence because maybe they don't have the lateral effect or maybe they don't have, you know, the shoe deals or maybe they don't have the, the big sponsors, they will be able to get more um, out of balling in the metaverse than they are out of their general contracts um, within maybe the legal acronyms that they are in. So you'll be able to see bigger stars that have a greater presence, um, maybe somewhat out here in this dimension, but a greater uh, presence within the metaverse um, just host more visibility of their programs and, and, and skills camps and trainings and and games and meet and greets and, you know, just things of that nature. So as, as far as the league, it'll be just as competitive. I mean, if you look at the layout of a lot of acronyms right now from semi-pro or division all the way up to, you know, the bigger leagues, it will be the exact same diagram. It, it will be no different. Um, it will be the same level of competition. It will be the same level of draft. It will be the same level of play. <laughs> so the only difference is you might have a little bit more interaction than you would if you bought – VIP courtside seats um, to, we'll say, um, a championship game. Awesome. You get a little bit more for your money. Uh, RJ, <laughs> please tell everybody where they can find more about your product and, and they can monitor your success moving forward. Definitely. Well, I'm on Twitter. I'm at it, like, you know, ITS um, underscore RJ White. And then we are at uh, Ballin' in the Meta on Twitter as well. So um, I just say stay tuned. I think we're taking the metaverse by storm. I can't wait. I can't wait to see if the Wizards are any better in the metaverse. <laughs> they definitely will be. <laughs> I, thank you so much. Please remember this phone call. I, I, whatever you can do to make them better, I, I need some enjoyment out of this team. <laughs> RJ, thank you so much for your time. I wish you nothing but the best, and, and I will definitely monitor everything and, and jump in at some point, I'm sure. Will do. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, Chuck Esposito from Station Casinos will join the show. Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. SDN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. SDN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at any Station Casino or Wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HDTVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Dakota. Experience the thrill of the grill. John Smith Subs is home of the famous steak bomb and other premium deli subs with grilled-to-order marinated sirloin steak, grilled chicken, farm-fresh veggies, and delicious bread baked daily. Our subs are making a name for themselves with quality and flavor. Add an order of piping hot french fries and you have a meal you can't get anyplace else. Experience the thrill of the grill at John Smith Subs. Visit johnsmithsubs.com to find a location near you. 
Hey, Golden Knights fans, I'm attorney Adam Kuttner. I'm proud to be an official partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're giving you the chance to play at home along with the Golden Knights to win home game tickets through our power play giveaway. Each time the Golden Knights are on a power play, we'll pick one of my Twitter followers who tags me on Twitter with the hashtag Adam Kuttner power play. And when the Golden Knights score, that lucky fan wins tickets to the fortress. So make sure to follow me on Twitter Go Knights, go! Calling all Vegas Golden Knights super fans for the Terribles game day giveaway. During all of Vegas Golden Knights home games, visit any participating Terribles location, make a qualifying purchase, get a scratch card, enter on the Terribles app, and you could win a $1,000 Golden Knights shopping spree. Best yet, one lucky customer will win this prize every day the Vegas Golden Knights have a home game. Terribles game day giveaway. It's only at Terribles. Visit Terribles.com for more details. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HD TVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Decatur. Best of Las Vegas winners each of the last two years. Glazed Donuts is a family business. Taste the passion and quality in each delectable handmade donut. Experience amazing fresh donuts at Glazed Donuts. Located at 6545 South Fort Apache Road on the southwest corner of Sunset. Glaze is open every day from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. If you're interested in large orders, please call them at 702-246-2888. Follow Glaze on Facebook and Instagram where they're showing off all their delicious treats. And check them out at glazedonutslv.com. Experience the Artisan Hotel's theme suites, restaurant, bar, pool, and complimentary valet. During the week, the Artisan is a quiet Las Vegas retreat that's great for travelers and locals. The weekend is all about nonstop partying and the award-winning Artisan nightlife. All rooms include free gym access and Wi-Fi. The Artisan Hotel is centrally located between the Strip and downtown Las Vegas. Book your stay at artisanhotel.com. The Artisan Hotel, your unique Las Vegas boutique hotel. All right, welcome back to Sportsbook Radio from the Brian Blessing Studio, brought to you by Station Casinos and the STN app. Mark Hayes behind the controls. I'm Dana Lane. Thanks for joining us. We always love to start the week off with our favorite sportsbook director for, from Station Casinos, Mr. Chuck Esposito joins the show. Uh, Chuck, have the Jays stopped scoring? I mean, was that the craziest thing you've ever seen? On a daily basis, and this was for an offense, Dana, that had really struggled so far um, this season. They definitely broke out against Red Sox pitching, um, and we'll see if that carries over for the rest of the year or not because that is by far one of the most competitive divisions in all of baseball. But as you said, it's great to jump on with you. Always appreciate starting the week and uh, looking forward to chatting and having some fun. Chuck, so from a Red Sox standpoint, I mean, how do you – get out of this i mean you split with the yankees you lost and this is going back but you split with the yankees and then uh, you go to tampa they lose four straight against tampa and you were knee deep into that wild card and i understand that they they have some injuries and uh, some some things that they have to battle but 
boy, from a mental standpoint, I, I don't know how you give up, you know, 48 or 40 runs in three games and, and just, you know, I'm sure they're happy to be done with the American League East as they, you know, play Cleveland tonight. But that is that's just something mentally. I don't I don't know how you overcome that. I'm not sure either, Dana. You're only a half a game um, ahead of Baltimore from being in last place in the AFC in the American League East. Right. Uh, you have the worst record in all of baseball over your last ten games, going one and nine. Um, you're just a 500 team um, at home, so I, they have major question marks there. Uh, you know, um, uh, I, at this point, I'm saying they're not making the playoffs. In my opinion, um, I know they've been, you know, rumored to be in on a number of guys at the trade deadline, um, and that's August 2nd. And we always know that they're a big market team; they can go out and spend money. Um, you know, we, we know they they still have to lock up Rafael Devers. Um, you know, they, they let Mookie walk out the door. I don't know what they, you know, what the direction is or what they're going to do right now, but this is not a good Red Sox team as we speak. And it's very important. And one of the, the key things that when I'm handicapping games that I look at when uh, I, I'm very uh, in tune with post-game press conferences or how a, a manager reacts to, to bad losses, and I'm listening to Alex Cora and – he just looks like, or sounds like, rather, a guy that does not have a lot of answers for me. And I think when the media asks you direct questions and you don't have specifics that you want to work on or you know, specific examples where, hey, look, if we you know, started taking more pitches or laying off that, that slider that was, always looked like it was in the strike zone but ended up out of the strike zone, those specific things. But core seems like, there's no answers, and that to me is a go-against team when I hear the manager in that state of mind. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you would hope that he'd be able to kind of list some of the positives and you know where he thinks the direction of the team is and where they could make some of those improvements, but the fact that there isn't any answers right now, I don't think he has them because you know when we look at it ourselves, I mean, it's, it, it's hard to put your finger on you know exactly where. Um, you're going to see some improvement from this Red Sox team. So I don't think he does right now because I, I clearly know that on our side of the counter we're kind of scratching our head a little bit, and you're right. It's going to be a go-against for betters. We've seen that all season long, um, very trendy when teams are playing well. And in that division, we know the Yankees are the Yankees, but Jays 8-2, and two, Rays 7-3 and three in the last 10, White Sox playing good ball, Astros, Mariners. In the American League, those are the teams that they're playing, and the teams they're playing against are clearly the Red Sox, Tigers and Angels right now who are playing really bad. You can throw Rangers in there as well over the last week and a half or so. And I assume, Chuck, that there's a discussion, especially when you see a, a 28 put up, there's a discussion about the total next day. But you know, like in any business, it's very important not to over to react to what you just saw. And, of course, they went under the day after. But what kind of discussions that you ha- do you have in relation to the total? And, and do you say, okay, let's not overreact because we know the public will for us? You know, we do have those discussions, Dana, but you're, you're 100% right is that we have the discussions about um, no, no knee-jerk reaction. Um, even, you know, we talked about it with, you know, the, the Cubs beating the Phillies on Friday and Saturday. We knew that, you know, there'd be everybody would, would, would be loading up on the Phillies not to get swept um, in that series at home. But you still can't overreact. You still have to put up, you know, the, the best number that you think is the best two-way number on sides and totals. Um, and then move accordingly. Um, but, you know, if it's an extended period, but on a short, 
you know, three-game series or what happens during the course of the week. Uh, we, we try to stay as level-headed and talk about it internally. Um, there is. I mean, there's definitely some pull. And, and, and I'm going to say it happens for me sometimes. Like, hey, we got to shade this off or we have to move it in this direction, you know, much more quicker. And I think the, the, the hub trader team does a phenomenal job of keeping really level-headed about it and saying, you know, we need to stay the course here. And, and it's just a, a small sample size. Uh, we can't make that overreaction or knee-jerk reaction uh, just based on a few games. So when you're talking about, say, uh, the total, I would assume you would put up a, a very similar total. I mean, whether it be a half off of what you uh, would have normally coming off a you know a, a team that scored 28 runs. But it, is it the money line? Is it the over-under uh, on the money line on the total that you play with a little bit? Yeah, maybe a little bit. You you might keep the total the same thing, but maybe you add ten cents to it on the over. Or teams aren't scoring. You add ten cents on the under. Um, but again, we're, the, the the guests Dana will tell us really quickly um, if they think that that number or or the juice associated with any number is is too high or too low. Uh, and then we'll move accordingly from there. But you hit the nail on the head. Uh, again, try to stay as level headed and 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 not have a knee jerk reaction on anything we put up. How excited are you for the XFL? <laughs> well, it, it's more football. You know, I, I've seen that, you know, fans here seem to back whatever their team is. It's the indoor league. You know, we know how they back the, the, the Aces and the Raiders and, um, and the Knights. Uh, so, hey, if it, if it adds, you know, uh, you know, more wagering and something we can put on the menu, uh, I'm willing to give it a try. I, I mean, I, I don't know if you had a chance to go out to those XFL games, but I can tell you there was something about the XFL that agreed with Vegas and, and agreed with the media here, and we really got behind this team. I, I was shocked, and I guess it's because of, of the Raiders coming in, that Vegas didn't get – a second team when they restarted their league. But this makes a lot of sense to me. And even when I went to L.A., Chuck, I'm telling you, I went to go see uh, L.A. and Vegas play back in the day at the Coliseum. There had to be 45,000 people for a, for an XFL game in, in the Coliseum. And by the way, that was a team that was not supported by the local media at all. I mean, there is a market for this. I think you just have to be smart about where you put your teams. Yeah, I think it's the um, the kind of the edginess um, of the Absolutely. league, the unconventional things that they do, how they really kind of cater, um, you know, to the fan with with everything in mind, and with a you know with a capital E for entertainment. I mean, it's all about the entertainment product. You want to put a competitive match on, or a competitive game on the field, but it really is that that entertainment aspect that maybe takes it to the next level. Now, I'm happy to go into my closet and look for my He Hate Me jersey and, you know, maybe break that out for the next, uh, you know, when their first game is. But uh, I was at the first one when they played years ago, and uh, I'm sure I'll be at this one again. I, I thought they were excellent. I, I thought it was a great crowd. I was very excited but for the future. I was actually shocked when the league went under, and it certainly didn't have anything to do with Vegas because they were doing well here. They were doing well in San Francisco. Where they weren't doing well is where y- you had to go out and support a team in, in blizzards in the middle of early spring back east. Uh, people would just was not going to 
you know, go out and, and support Rashawn Salam or all these other guys that they didn't have a clue of. But now you have coaches like Bob Stoops, Stoops is going to be in Arlington, Wade Phillips in Houston, uh, coach here, Rod Woodson. I mean, these are right. names yep. that people know and respect, which is huge when you're talking about legitimizing a league. I mean, the XFL has never been short on names. And by the way, I have a He Hate Me jersey, but it's so old, my jersey just says hate on the back, so I can't wear it anymore. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, but it's going to be fun. I, again, I think anytime you can add something, and, and I did read they said our uniforms will be the most outrageous and, yeah. and best in the league. We know that, you know, we know the fan base the Raiders have. We know that the, the Golden Knight sweater is one of the top sellers in the league. And just based on what they're saying for our XFL team now, name still unknown. Um, I can't wait to, for that unveiling to see the name and what the jersey's like. Where do you think they're going to play? I, I mean, they're the only team to I don't not know. Name. You know, I'm, I'm, my guess is going to be Allegiant, just an educated guess. I think it, it kind of makes the most sense. Um, so I'm going to say it's going to be Allegiant, um, and that's where they're, and that's where they'll play. It is absolutely exciting to me to think about, say, a Thursday night XFL game, a Friday night, uh, well, or maybe even I don't know. We'll go XFL college football on a Saturday, NFL on a Sunday. And of course, we don't want to touch Friday too much because of high school football. But you have a whole week of football now. I mean. I don't know. I live in a great world, I guess. Hey, I wanted to ask you about the the NFL launched a new app that's going to allow you to access preseason and regular season games for $40, and I think there's another tier as well. And I I was thinking this morning about the accessibility to games and the accessibility to information now, and I wondered – how has that it has the accessibility to the information has that helped your side of the counter and if it has helped your side why has it not helped the other side of the counter very much well i was going to say i think it's helped the other side of the counter uh you know i i think we've always been where um you know whatever information we can find out there um how valuable it potentially is to us and you know what do we what can we do with that information i think now that we're in such an information era that the guests on the other side of the counter are so much more educated that they're able to get this information in real time as quick as we're getting it, and they're looking for that that value. You know, they, they see the trends, they see the analytics behind it. Um, you know, kind of the stats, the um, the analysis of of a game coming up, and you see that. Not only, you know, on um, all these different social media platforms right now, but even, you know, on, on TV where they, when they break down games and they're telling you, like, going into the tournament, you know, this 11 seed is live based on this, this, and that. I think there's so much more information out there um, that, you know, it, it's really up to us to stay on top of it. I mean, we, we looked at the, the Keith Kachuk, I mean, the, the trade, uh, not the Keith Kachuk, the Matthew Kachuk trade. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were kind of looking even before that, where are possible spots that he could go? Um, and, you know, w- what would we adjust the number to? So I think we're always looking at that. And, and again, with, with rumors and information out there that the guests are getting in real time, that sometimes they're even looking, you know, to jump the gun. And I'm, it happened in football. And I know you and I talked about it. Everybody thought that, you know, when, when Hackett got the job in Denver, that it was a foregone conclusion that Aaron Rodgers was going to go there. We had more tickets on the Broncos than any other team to win the Super Bowl. Their odds had dropped, and it was all the speculation that Rodgers is going to Denver. Now he ends up signing the big deal in Green Bay. He stays there. We move those odds back up. 
And within a very short period of time, out of nowhere, the Russell Wilson trade happens. So, I mean, guess we're betting the Broncos based on what they thought was going to be number 12 at quarterback there, not knowing it was going to be Russell Wilson. But those are all things now that they have to kind of look at, understand, critique, and wager based on what they're hearing and seeing in real time. But on the flip side of that too, Chuck, don't you think – I've heard people, you know, have various ways that they handicap games. I've heard it all. But don't you think it's a even with that information that sometimes it's even more difficult to decipher, you know, what is real, what isn't, what can I apply? Because, again, I've always been under – my understanding has always been to, to stay level-headed, forget what you just saw, and understand that numbers will just tell you where you've been. They won't necessarily tell you where you're going. And I, and I think that's the way I kind of stay even keeled. But a lot of times I see too much logic being used. I see too many uh, numbers based upon, you know, what happened three weeks ago. I, I think in some ways too much information ha- has to be some sort of a benefit to your side. Um, yeah, I, I guess. But, again, it's for us, Dane. I mean, we're getting that information overload as well. And, and I think, you know, we, we want to stay on top of it. And I give all the credit um, to the trading team that really does a terrific job of kind of deciphering that information and, and kind of chatting to, to Jay and I about it and, and going through things and things that we see and look at. Um, I, I, th- I don't think it's going to change. I think you're going to see more and more um, information and faster and faster and, and stuff that we, you know, we need to look at. So um, I guess it's depending on what side of the counter you're on and, and how you look at it. Um, but, but for us, I mean, it's great. Um, you know, just knowing what to do with it, I think, is our big thing. But I, we clearly know now that the guys on the other side of the counter, mm-hmm. um, you know, are, are way more educated than they've ever been before uh, because of this information. I mean, I'll use both the NBA and NHL draft where uh, Ben Caro and, um, and then the, and the NFL draft with Walker, too. I mean, that information, I mean, he was in our field. Um, yet we, we started to get pounded on the field just based on kind of hearsay information, um, you know, the week or so out that he could possibly be, Walker, the number one pick in the draft. So um, it is stuff that we have to stay on top of, evaluate, uh, adjust accordingly, because believe me, uh, the guests are doing the same thing. And if they think there's value on something, um, there, there's no question that they're going to pounce. The psychology of gaming, uh, whether it's on your side or the, the customer side, it's always been so fascinating to me and the thought process that goes into an individual making bets. And it's and you're right, it's become so much more sophisticated because I remember, you know, coming to town in 92 and, and sitting in a sports book and, you know, the, the handicapping process went as far as, well, Clemens is pitching today, so I'm going to go on Clemens and we're going to lay 380 and you know, not even think twice about it. But you're right, the discussion in the sports book, I'm sure you have noticed, has become a lot more detailed uh, a lot more intricate, and, and of course, as you said, that does make your job a little bit, a little bit harder. It, it's more fun, you know. Um, but yeah, we're constantly looking at this stuff, you know, and and it, it becomes a focal point that we talk about throughout the course of the day, and and really kind of go through everything. So um, again, I, I see no change except that there being more and more of this information out there and the guests becoming more and more educated every day. When you, when I'm just looking at, you know, baseball or talking about baseball real quick and I'm, I'm looking at the Yankees and thinking, okay, now we're in 
the 25th of July. We haven't even passed the trade deadline yet. That should infuse some enthusiasm, I guess, to teams that are way ahead in their division, like the Yankees in Houston. I just kind of wonder, like, is there any kind of anticipation from from your part uh, about teams being different down the stretch, having such a big lead when they really have wrapped up these divisions? Uh, do, do we anticipate, hey, look, maybe we shouldn't make them uh, as big of a favor just because of the way that they're going to use their rotation. Maybe they'll go to a six-man. Maybe they'll use their pen a little bit more. I mean, what time of year do you start thinking about, hey, I think these teams might be uh, – they meet. They need to be looked at differently than perhaps in April and May? Well, I think it's a little too early to do that. We, we definitely do, but it becomes later and later, it seems like, every year just because – how many teams make the playoffs. I know you can use the Yankees as an example and how dominant they are and where they're at, but they're really not that many games ahead of the Astros. So when you're still potentially looking at home field in baseball, um, you know, I'm sure it's important to both those two teams that ultimately if there is a Game 7 in the, in the American League Championship Series, would it be in Houston or New York if everything worked out that way? So as long as there's still some question, I think you have to wait. Uh, the trade deadline still hasn't occurred yet. Uh, you, you look at the American League, and um, you know the Dodgers have a comfortable lead there over the Padres. Um, but Brewers Cardinals is still really, you know, kind of a nail biter. Mets Braves kind of the same way. Um, maybe the Dodgers right now in the in the National League have a little bit more of a comfortable lead, but it's not that comfortable just yet. I mean, they could lose five or six at any time, um, you know. And, and the Mets Braves Brewers or Cardinals could get you know on a, on a really streak like say Seattle did or Baltimore, and kind of change that dynamic. Um, I just think it's a little bit early to start looking at that until after the trade deadline and maybe mid to late August before you see us make some of those adjustments. Let's talk about the Orioles real quick, a a team that uh, pretty much is a go against. I mean, that's what you thought of them going into the season. That's what you've thought of them for many seasons. But at at 500 now, yes, on the bottom of the ALEs, but at 500 – do we think about them a little bit differently now? I mean, they're 25 and 17 at home. They're at least competitive on the road from a from a money line standpoint. Are we? Is this the time where we should think about the Baltimore Orioles as not uh, the way we used to? Yeah, absolutely. I think if I went back, you know, three or four weeks, I would think about both Baltimore and Seattle much differently um, than I do today. I think when you look at Baltimore, I know they have a lot of talented young kids. They have one of the best farm systems in baseball. They've been slowly bringing these kids up and, and filtering them in. That's without Grayson Rodriguez, who's arguably you know the top pitching prospect in all of baseball, who they thought would be up right now, got hurt um, in the minor leagues and hasn't been brought um, to the major league level yet. So they are loaded at the minor league level, and I think that's you know they're doing it the right way. But I love the way that you see the direction there. They're incorporating some of these young kids with some of their veteran players, and uh, yeah, I, I think when they play one of the big boys now, I don't just look at it and go, "Great, you know, we, we need the Orioles tonight." Like I do in many cases, if it's the Cubs, if it's the A's, um, some of the bottom teams that I, I look at differently. All right, Chuck. Well, I always appreciate you coming on. We're going to have you on uh, on Wednesday for the, f- the final send-off. I haven't discussed it yet on the air, but we're always thankful for you. We're thankful for Station Casinos, and uh, we look forward to Wednesday. So thank you for everything. But we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more on Wednesday. All right, buddy. Sounds good.
All right, there goes Chuck Esposito from Station Casinos. That does it for Sportsbook Radio. We're going to drag the Zamboni out, come back with Vegas Hockey Hotline, Zig Fercasi from Sirius XM NHL and NFL Radio will join us.